This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. I'm happy to welcome back Professor Mauro Guillen, and he's a management professor here at Wharton. Uh, and he's also a native of Spain, which makes it uh, especially appropriate because we want to talk about the uh, recent elections in Catalonia, uh, which many saw as a kind of proxy for uh, an independence movement. Uh, there was a, uh, a court decision in Spain last year which uh, prevented a legal um, vote on independence, as I understand it, for Catalonia. Uh, nevertheless, these regional elections, which have just taken place, were viewed by many as a sort of plebiscite or you know, a proxy of, of that and, and could have had some, some or could still have some serious ramifications. So I wanted to ask, um, some thought there was going to be a clean outcome. It didn't come out so clean or so clear. So could you put it in context and tell us, uh, it, it was a little bit messy and it's, it's going to make the politics messy going forward. Yeah, I think uh, messy is the word, although as you know, democracies are always messy, right? But I think the outcome of this particular election is especially messy. And uh, of course, uh, you know, this is only three days after the election has taken place. So, um, you know, one also has to be careful about uh, over-interpreting the results because we don't know exactly what kinds of uh, conversations and uh, coalition-building uh, efforts are being made by the various parties, right, uh, depending on their uh, seats in parliament. I also want to clarify one important thing, which is that I was born in Spain but outside of Catalonia, although my father was from Catalonia. Uh, so uh, I don't claim, though, to represent both sides of the issue. And, uh, you know, I think uh, in, in, in Spain, in Catalonia, everywhere in the world, there's always uh, differences of opinion and there's a diversity of views, right? But, yeah, the outcome is messy because, uh, on the one hand, what you have is that uh, the parties that uh, were uh, that propose a uh, independence for Catalonia won a majority of the seats. Uh, but there are two parties there. There were two lists competing for seats, and they don't entirely agree as to what the process should be moving forward, right? That's one of the problems here. Uh, the other is that uh, although they got a majority of the votes, uh, the only of, uh, of, I'm sorry, of the seats, they only got about 48% uh, of the votes. And the reason for that is that the electoral uh, law is such that uh, the rural areas in Catalonia uh, have an overrepresentation in Parliament relative to their population, uh, whereas the greater metropolitan area in Barcelona, which includes many industrial towns around it, uh, is underrepresented in terms of uh, you know its population weight. Um, but the nationalists, uh, the independent movement, is stronger in the rural areas, in the smaller cities, than it is in Barcelona itself. So the result is very messy, and uh, I think uh, it is fair to say that. Uh, you know, the last couple of years have, uh, you know, uh, resulted in a situation in which uh, Catalan society is deeply divided, uh, evenly split, right, apparently between these two options. There's a lot of issues connected with this, if there were an independent Catalonia. I mean, there's the membership in the EU. This is assuming that Catalonia left, which isn't, we're not assuming that, but if it did leave. Uh, the membership in the EU, using the euro, membership in NATO, all of these things. Um, there's also a big issue about debt that Catalonia owns, but uh, owes, I should say, but that's also tied in legally with, with Spain and, and Spain's overall debt. Could you talk about some of those issues? Well, if a, uh, any part of an existing 
you know, country were to become independent, there's, uh, you know, a number of uh, very difficult issues that need to be addressed. Eh? One is uh, there is debt, as you said, uh, that may be uh, attributed to the region, but a debt that is actually right now debt of the entire country, right? Uh, but there's also resources, right? So uh, those conversations, those uh, negotiations, uh, in any case, not just in this case, would be extremely difficult, right? Because there are assets and there are liabilities. And uh, if there's a divorce, you need to come up with some arrangement as to how you are dividing up not only the assets, right, but also the liabilities. Uh, you know, the issue of uh, European Union membership and the issue of um, NATO memberships, I think the, those two are separate. Uh, but I don't think they are as uh, severe in this case as there would be in the Scottish case. Because in the case of Scotland, uh, you know, what one has to remember is that um, most of the population in Scotland, right, is pro-European Union, right, as it is in Spain and in Catalonia. But if you go to England, most of the population, right, a majority of the population is probably against membership in the European Union. And as you know, Prime Minister David Cameron has promised an, uh, a referendum in the UK about EU membership, right? So that's uh, one very big difference. That is to say that uh, if Scotland were to, uh, you know, become independent in the UK, right, from the UK, then uh, probably England and Wales would leave the European Union because most people want to leave, right? But Scotland, you know, would become a member, right? How quickly? It depends on how fast Scotland were able, would be able to replicate the kinds of institutions that Europe expects you to have, like a central bank, like a, uh, you know, all of the institutions of the, uh, of the, of the state, right? In the case of Catalonia, uh, you know, both uh, people living in Catalonia and people in the rest of Spain want to be part of the European Union. So the issue there is, would Catalonia be ready, right? That would be the issue. And the other issue, of course, is whether any existing member country would veto right? Catalonia's membership, because Catalonia would need to apply. And people are saying, well, Spain might veto it, or somebody else might veto Catalonia. And that's obviously a distinct possibility. But what I think is very clear, and, uh, you know, this is not just an opinion of mine, it's based on analysis, right? But of course, there are other analyses that come to the opposite conclusion, is that I think a uh, separation of Catalonia from Spain would be, at least in the short run, right? very harmful to both Spain and Catalonia, right? And I say this because uh, obviously there is a um, very long shared history, right? But more importantly, because it is a still a fact that has been demonstrated by this election four days ago, that the support for independence in Catalonia is at best half of half of the uh, of the uh, of the country, right? It's half of the population. So it's very difficult to set into motion a process of separation, a process of independence, when you have 50% uh, of the people living in that part of the country opposed to it. Uh, the rifts, the conflicts, the frictions that this would create, I think would be so severe that I think most uh, reasonable people would think twice about the benefits from that separation. And this is within Catalonia itself. Absolutely. Catalonia, you know, the elections have demonstrated, is divided. Now, I would like to add another thing which is very important. I think uh, both the central government in Madrid and the Catalonian government, with their actions, have polarized public opinion and have polarized the voters. As if there were only two choices, right? The two choices being things remain the same or Catalonia becomes independent. And uh, there is very good survey research indicating 
that if you offer Catalonians, people who live in Catalonia, a third choice, somewhere in between, which is, for example, to renegotiate the way in which Catalonia relates to the rest of Spain, or perhaps to create more of a federal system in Spain. So Spain is not a federal country, right, like the United States or like Germany. Then if you offer that third intermediate choice, then suddenly what you get is maybe 20% of people want independence, 20% want the status quo, uh, but you have a large majority, like 60% of the population, who would rather take the third Mm -hmm. intermediate option. So so this is really interesting because I did uh, want to get to the fundamental issue, uh, uh, which is... uh, what is the big beef <laughs> for those that want to become independent? What is their chief complaint? It has something to do with feeling that their region uh, produces uh, more tax per capita, I guess, than other regions, so that they're giving the federal system more than they're getting back. There's also, I guess, some historical reasons about how Catalonia became part of Spain to begin with, which wasn't even all that long ago, as I understand it. Uh, and. Uh, and there are some other things. So I did want to ask you, what are the chief um, complaints for those that want to break away? And then also maybe uh, compare, as you did with with Scotland, how uh, the Catalonian system may be similar or different from, say, Quebec, or maybe there's other aspects uh, between the relationship of Scotland and England that you'd want to touch on also. Yeah, absolutely. So um, first of all, I mean, one has to be very respectful about uh, you know people's identities. And I think everybody has to respect that, you know, some people may feel more Catalan than Spanish, or they may feel only Catalan, right? Uh, or they may feel Spanish, but they also think that, uh, you know, they, uh, they have a connection to Catalonia, right? So there's all sorts of uh, identities and shared identities or dual identities that people have. And I personally want to be, like, really respectful to all of them, including, you know, the people who feel that Catalonia should be an independent country and they feel only Catalan. You know, the reality, though, is that those people are in the minority, right? Uh, That is the reality. That is the fact that I think this election uh, corroborates. Now, having said that, right, there are also other more, you know, rational issues at play because identity is, at the end of the day, is an emotional issue. But it should be respected, right? That's really important. Uh, There's the money issue, as you said. Uh, So Catalonia is one of the three richest parts of Spain, along with Madrid and the Balearic Islands, which are on the Mediterranean. Well, in every country in the world, the parts of the country that are richer make a bigger contribution to the budget, right? Just because they're richer. That happens in the United States. California makes a bigger contribution than Alabama, right, to the federal budget uh, in the sense that they get back, right, in services less than what they contribute in the form of taxes. This happens everywhere, right? So the situation uh, of Catalonia within Spain is different than the situation of Scotland in the U.K., because in uh, Scotland, because of the uh, decline of uh, manufacturing industry, uh, is not as rich as some other parts of England, especially the London metropolitan area, right? And that's also the case in, in Canada with Quebec. So the Catalonian case is different, right? So absolutely. I mean, Catalonia is contributing more to the central budget, but that's not necessarily because it is being discriminated against. A lot of that, I'm not saying that all of it, but a lot of that is driven by the fact that they're richer, Right? And therefore, in any political system, in any arrangement right, that you can find, you would always see that richer regions contribute more, proportionally speaking, than the amount of services or the value of the services that they get from the central budget. Right? So I, I think that's important to clarify. Right? And having said that, once again, there are people who believe that Catalonia should be independent. I think they are more driven by 
their identity and their sense of uh, identity as opposed to by the numbers, right? Although the numbers as they exist today exacerbate that feeling, right? That feeling of, oh, we're contributing a lot. But you see, an independent Catalonia in the context of Europe, right, would also be richer than the average country in Europe. So they would also make a net contribution to the rest of Europe, right? Uh, and as you know, Europe has very aggressive uh, programs in place to help relatively backward parts of Europe cope with that backwardness and, you know, they get more money for investments in infrastructure and so on and so forth. So Carolina will always be, because it's rich, it's a successful, you know, country, right? Uh, uh, it will always be a net contributor, right? Even if it became a, an independent state within, within Europe. Uh, two last questions. What, what do you think is most likely to happen, realizing you gave the qualifier up front that we're just after the election and the dust is settling, so to speak. And also, uh, is there a risk, or I should say, how big is the risk that uh, over this debt issue, it's a fairly substantial debt, as I understand it, and if there was some breakdown between Spain and Catalonia, could, could that possibly lead to a financial crisis that would affect the rest of Europe? Well, I, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, once again, uh, even if there's no independence of Catalonia, just the, uh, the messy political environment in which, uh, you know, the relationship between Catalonia and the rest of Spain or the central government is in now, I think is something that uh, doesn't create the right conditions for investment and for job creation, right? The Spanish economy, uh, including Catalonia, is actually doing quite well. Uh, it is one of the fastest growing economies in Europe right now, growing at slightly more than 3%, right? Which is not bad given the circumstances. Uh, so this uncertainty uh, is uh, going to be detrimental to economic growth and job creation. But the other big thing that is coming up is that in December, we have national elections in Spain. So quite frankly, I think the answer to your question as to what's going to happen next in Catalonia is that everything, pretty much everything, is going to, uh, you know, wait until, you know, the December election, which is uh, two and a half months away, right? And depending on the outcome of that election, uh, then we will see uh, what's going to happen with uh, the, uh, essentially, this... Uh, uh, you know, impasse that we have in Catalonia, this uh, situation in which you have uh, one half of uh, Catalonia being in favor of independence, apparently, right, given the election results, and another half being opposed to it. Although remember that I said that if you give them a third option, the situation would change, right? Uh, but essentially, there's two possibilities here. One is that the new government emerging in Madrid uh, will be similar to the one that uh, we have now which, as I told you earlier, has been trying to polarize the issue as if there were only two options, right? Or there's another possibility, which is that a different kind of government emerges and is one that is willing to propose a third intermediate option, right? And so depending on the outcome of the national election, in which actually Catalonians will also get to vote, then we will see, you know, things evolving in Catalonia itself uh, beginning in January down the path of more conflict and more friction and uh, I think a continuing, you know, uh, gridlock, right? Uh, because essentially the two opposing views are very balanced, right? Or as an alternative, uh, you know, there will be down a path of uh, maybe a constitutional reform, uh, maybe very extensive negotiations as to a redefinition of how the, not just Catalonia, but possibly also other parts of Spain relate to the central government. And there is a lot of discussion, for example, about taking some steps towards a uh, federal system. All right, well, we'll have to wait and see if it's a happier new year there in Spain and, and Catalonia. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you for having me. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, 
please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.